but instead it's the 414 Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. Welcome in on this Friday the 13th. I'm Don Wachillis. Welcome in to the 414 Sports Podcast presented by Soul Boxer. Thank you so much for joining us. And our thanks as always to Soul Boxer, crafting and bottling bartender quality cocktails you can enjoy anywhere. The brandy old fashioned, the bourbon old fashioned, the Manhattan are all crafted to remain true to their supper club origins. Find Soul Boxer wherever you pick up your libation. So quite a few things, as we always seem to have on this particular Friday the 13th, making our way through the sporting world. We'll talk some brewers in a moment. We'll get into the Packers. Has there ever really been a preseason game more anticipated than the one coming up this Saturday up in Green Bay at Lambeau Field? So we'll get to that a little bit later. But I want to start today's podcast with something that took place last night with regards to Major League Baseball. Now, we have a tendency, and we, a lot of people, a lot of people, whether you're fans in the media, whatever the case may be, have hammered Major League Baseball over the years for some decisions that have been made, for some things they've done with the rules and instant replay, and we can go right down the line. But what they did last night with the Field of Dreams game between the New York Yankees and the Chicago White Sox is one that will go down in the history books from so many different perspectives, whether we're talking about nostalgia, whether we're talking about the game itself. It turned out to be a great baseball game, or whether we're just talking about Major League Baseball, in essence, rebranding and marketing itself to its core audience. And that's really what last night was about. If you love the movie Field of Dreams, I do not know how you could not be enamored with the game last night. Major League Baseball did an incredible job of melding the movie with the game that ended up taking place between the White Sox and the Yankees. Kevin Costner coming out of the corn, kind of looking nostalgically around what was a makeshift stadium that was built out there to hold the game. And then suddenly watching both teams exit the field, the cornfields, as they entered the game. It was true to what the movie was. It was just, it was masterful. And for, as I said, so many years, Major League Baseball has really taken it on the chin for some of the decisions that they made. But what they reenacted and created and everything about what took place last night should really go down as one of the great undertakings in professional athletics in melding a movie with the reality of the sport. And so congratulations then to Major League Baseball. Now, we can't congratulate without being somewhat pessimistic. So everybody's walking on cloud nine last night. Everybody is so excited about what was taking place, and then it was announced that baseball 
had committed to doing this at least at least one more time. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. As long as you don't try and recreate exactly what took place last night. Last night was magical. Last night will not be duplicated if you do it again next year. Now, you can't wait 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road to try and replicate this. But if you try and do it again next year, it's not going to have the same aura that took place last night. We're going from Caddyshack to Caddyshack 2. If you try and do what you did last night next year right away, you're going to have one of the worst sequels in the history of sport. Very few people go from Godfather to Godfather 2. You know, many people will say the sequel to The Godfather is better than the original. That necessarily doesn't always happen. What you usually end up happening is Caddyshack, Caddyshack 2, one of the worst movies in the world. Blues Brothers, great movie. The sequel, awful. Don't rush to recreate what you did last night. Let this just be for a while. Because what you did last night, and I'm saying this to Major League Baseball, what you did last night was incredible from a fan's perspective. You pulled off one of the great undertakings as far as a game and the spectacle around it that has really been put out there in any of the professional athletic leagues. Don't ruin it by rushing back and trying to recreate. So, again, great game last night. White Sox walk it off at the end come away with a 9-8 victory. Uh, Again, incredible game, incredible surroundings, just a great job by Major League Baseball. All right, let's take a quick little break, and on the other side, let's talk uh, some Milwaukee Brewers. Let's keep the Major League Baseball talk going because the Brewers, pull out the brooms, guys. They've just swept the Chicago Cubs, and we'll keep it going in just a moment. All right, let's continue some baseball talk here, but let's bring it back into the 414 and talk about our Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers, who have now swept the Chicago Cubs, break out the brooms, won the last four down at Wrigley. Yesterday, it was just a butt kicking. It's the best way to say it. It was just an absolute butt kicking as they beat the Chicago Cubs 17 to 4. We'll get to some of the highlights in, in just a moment, but I'm almost to the point now where I have sympathy for the Northsiders as much as I do not like the Chicago Cubs. It's fun to beat the Chicago Cubs, but we were talking about organizations and how important organizationally it is to make sure that your product is what it needs to be both on and off the field. I almost, again, have sympathy now watching what the Cubs have put out on the field. That if I'm a Cubs fan and I think back, it's now five years ago, just five years ago, we won the World Series after a hundred years of ineptness. And for Cubs fans, you had to be thinking, all right, this is the beginning of at least a couple here down the stretch. And within five years, you've completely blown up your team 
and the product you're putting on the field is just miserable. Now, Cub fans are used to misery. Cub fans have been miserable prior to 2016 for over 100 years. And Cub fans continue to show up at Wrigley because it's a party. It's the atmosphere. But if I am a true Cubs fan, if I'm a baseball fan, I am I am absolutely, absolutely furious with the organization, the front office, etc., for what you've done to that team and that program over on the north side of Chicago. So, yeah, a little bit of sympathy for Chicago Cub fans, but maybe not as much as you might think. The Brewers again, they win yesterday 17 to 4, and it was one of those games where I think everybody everybody got healthy with their batting averages yesterday as the Brewers just pounded out hits and home runs. Manny Pena, the pineapple rose to the occasion, hits a grand slam, drives in six runs, and again, just an absolutely epic performance. The one thing, though, that did concern me a little bit was Brandon Woodruff. Brandon Woodruff did not look right yesterday. And it's the first time I'm really saying that about a pitcher when we're talking about the Milwaukee Brewers. He just did not look right. Fortunately, the Brewers' offense has been such where it covered it a little bit, even though he only gave up one run in the four innings that he pitched. It just didn't look right. So hopefully there is nothing structurally there. Hopefully it's more of just one of those days, a bad day, and the Brewers were able to work their way through it, again, sweeping the Chicago Cubs down at Wrigley. The other note that we didn't get to since the last time we put a podcast out is the fact the other night Corbin Burns becomes the second player in Major League history to strike out 10 in a row. He was just cruising on a 10 nothing victory the other night against the Cubs. So, if again, if you're a Cubs fan and you're watching the Brewers pound out hits and runs and then seeing that pitching staff just absolutely dismantle your team, I don't know how the Chicago Airwaves haven't exploded in frustration without the exception of maybe last night feeling some sort of euphoria watching the White Sox walk it off against the Yankees in the Field of Dreams game. So now the Brewers head to Pittsburgh. And as they make their way to Pittsburgh, here's two lines on the stat sheet that really just stand out and tell you what kind of a season the Brewers are having. At home, they are 32-27, and 27, five games above 500. That's awesome. Anytime you're over 500, you're doing something well because you play, as we know, so many games when it comes to baseball. The remarkable record line on the stat sheet for me is the away record. The Brewers away from AmFam Field are 38 and 19. Usually that's flipped. Usually at home you're 38 and 19, you're five games over 500 on the road and you're patting yourself on the back going, "Yep, this this is going to be magical." But for some reason this year for the Brewers it's flipped and they have a better record when they're away from AmFam. So let's hope that this obviously continues. Now you've got a couple of games against Pittsburgh. You've been able to take care of Pittsburgh. And so, again, with your away record, 
you're not necessarily fretting being on the road as much as I'm sure the players would love to be at home. But then after that, it's the Reds. And so if you get through and win the series against Pittsburgh, I don't think the Brewers will sweep the Pirates. You never know. But win the series. And then when you head to Cincinnati, that's going to be the big one. Because you have the opportunity right now to essentially bury the Reds. As we make our way towards the end of August, this becomes one of those series that you can look back on and say either you gave the Reds an opportunity to get back into the game, so to speak, or you just absolutely put them out to pasture. So the next two series here, you got a chance again to continue to stay healthy against Pittsburgh. But if you can take care of the Cincinnati Reds on the road, that's what will earmark whether or not we're looking at a team that will go deep into this playoff season. And and if they do, again, with the pitching, the way the bats are starting to wake up, there's something magical going on here with the Milwaukee Brewers. So sit back and enjoy the ride, much like we sat back and enjoyed the ride with the Milwaukee Bucks. We could be, again, in one of those crazy vortexes of the fact that we could see an NBA an MLB, and potentially an NFL run like we've never seen in this area before. Let's take a quick break. We've got football coming up at Lambeau Field this weekend. And even though it's preseason, the fact that we didn't have any preseason games last year makes this preseason affair probably one of the more anticipated football games that we've had at Lambeau in quite a while. And we'll talk about it right after this. All right, let's keep this thing rolling here on this Friday the 13th as we make our way into Green Bay to talk about the NFL and the upcoming preseason game with the Houston Texans. And as I was saying before our little break, this is probably one of the most anticipated preseason games that we've seen in Green Bay in quite some time for no other reason than all of the storylines in and around the drafting of Jordan Love. And Jordan Love and Kurt Benkert will be the two guys who get the majority of snaps. Excuse me, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to see the field. He'll just be holding a clipboard on the sidelines because obviously the coaching staff knows exactly what they have with Aaron Rodgers. But the world now wants to see what the Packers have in Jordan Love. And so it is a preseason game, but I think the fact that all eyes will be on Lambeau, the fact that there are going to be a number of people who will pick apart every single little nuance regarding Jordan Love. This is a nice test for Jordan Love because of the fact that the amount of press, the amount of eyes, the amount of scrutiny that he's going to undergo in his first preseason game will say a lot at least initially, about how this young man can handle the pressures and all of the circumstances surrounding being an NFL quarterback. So it's going to be a very, very interesting game. And the person probably who will be watched even more by others around the league 
that'll be Kurt Benkert because Kurt really, his only opportunity, I think, with Green Bay, barring an injury, will be if he can sign or be signed by the Packers as far as the practice squad goes. So his play essentially will audition himself for other teams around the NFL. And as we've seen early on, especially with marquee teams like the Dallas Cowboys, who will be looking for potential backups because of injuries to their starters, this is going to be a good opportunity for he to put some tape together in order to show other teams around the league that he can play. Now, we've got some positions. Let's go around real quick. Things to keep an eye on as the game progresses tomorrow night at Lambeau. First, at running back, Dexter Williams, Patrick Taylor, Kylan Hill. All three of those running backs are sitting in a precarious spot as they're on the bubble behind Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, so keep an eye there. The one I really want to see is the wide receiving core and how they react. Devontae Adams, Marquise Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Amari Rogers, the rookie out of Clemson, all pretty much locked into roster spots. The one person who I think really needs to step up and stand out, which is a bit astounding to me, and that's Devin Funches. Devin Funches, who sat out last year due to uh, COVID, decided not to play, which entirely his choice. I have I have no personal say whatsoever when it comes to that. But the comments that he made about a week ago after family night and the fact that he then had to apologize, the fact that the wide receiving core, which was once extremely young, is now starting to grow together, he's the outside guy looking in. And he's one of those veterans that I think many here in the state of Wisconsin were hoping to get Aaron Rodgers to make that push for another Super Bowl. And now that we've got that free agent acquisition, he sits on the bubble. So keep an eye right there on the wide receiving core and keep an eye specifically on Devin Funches to see how things play out with him. As far as tight ends go, Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tanyan, Josiah Degara, pretty much a lock. Jay Sternberger is going to be one of those players again that you just don't know whether or not there will be room. And that's the hardest thing with a 53-man roster is you've got some talented guys playing those positions, but you just don't have the roster spots. And you can say, yes, we'll sign them to the practice squad. We'll hold on to them. But these are the kind of players that other teams will come in and scoop once you've had to cut them from the 53-man roster. So somebody like Sternberger going to need, again, to show out a little bit during these preseason games in order to maintain a roster spot. The one I think that is going to be really interesting as well comes in special teams. Mason Crosby, who's probably older than Moses at this time, still playing his position very well, he will maintain, with without injury, I would say, his, his position as the kicker for the Green Bay Packers. The one to look at is J.K. Scott, the punter. Remember, we drafted a punter not that long ago, and J.K. Scott, who has shown flashes of brilliance at that position, really hasn't had any sustainability as far as numbers go. So look at the punting that takes place on Saturday 
because J.K. Scott could find himself outwardly looking in once we get down to that final 53-man roster. Again, it should be somewhat fun on Saturday, even though it's a preseason game, because we get to see finally Jordan Love in a uniform, in pads, playing in live action, something we didn't get to see last year. Last year, he was relegated essentially to street clothes and a clipboard. Now we're going to see what maybe the Green Bay front office saw in Jordan Love on the field come Saturday. So Saturday against the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans, let's see, how can how can we equate this? The Houston Texans are the Chicago Cubs of the NFL. I think that's the easiest way I can say it. And the Packers may lose to the Houston Texans. Here's one thing you have to understand about preseason football. The Houston Texans, the Detroit Lions, there are other teams around the NFL who really want to go out and win games one, two, and three of the preseason. Why? It builds up some excitement around the fan base. Teams that you got to figure are going to be perennial losers when we get to December and January, once the regular season wraps up. These teams right now need to build some excitement so they can get that fan base excited so they can sell some tickets. We're spoiled here in Wisconsin with the fact that Lambeau is always sold out and will be sold out till the end of time. Other cities, like right now Houston, are trying to generate some excitement so they can sell some tickets to bring people in because their team is in such disarray. So it could very well be that the Packers lose to the woeful Houston Texans, but it's a preseason game. Watch how Jordan Love plays. Watch for those other positions that we talked about and understand that we're just trying to get to week one and make sure that we've got the best 53-man roster that we can put together. Other teams are not only trying to do that, but they're also trying to generate excitement because their fan base is going, oh my goodness, what are we getting ourselves into this year? All right, that'll wrap it up on this Friday the 13th. Have yourself a great weekend. We'll talk again on Monday as we look back and see how this Green Bay Packer team did in its first preseason game, and we'll see how the Brewers fare against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Enjoy your Friday the 13th. Thanks again to Soul Boxer for being our presenting sponsor. Can't thank you guys enough. I'm Don Wachillis. Have yourself a great weekend.